Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition. I still think it's 2023. I still think it's before the new year, but after Christmas, all the schedules are out of whack. Uh, welcome to the show. My name is Braden Gall. That is Zach Lyons. We are brought to you, of course, by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. Good to be back with you guys. Special thanks to Easton for filling in last week, of course. Merry Christmas to everybody on Monday. I sure hope everyone checked out football and other efforts this week. Zach, you were in. I guess normal, I would say rare form for most people, but you're just in like regular Zach form uh, in that episode. It's like elevated slightly. (laughs) Right. It's like holiday depression mixed with regular partying. It's just like, it's what it's all about there. Uh, Of course, we'll talk a little bit about the college football playoff coming up and what could be, and hopefully the, the best two games in the semifinals that we've had. Last year, we had elite semifinals. We might have the two most highest rated and best games of the 10-year playoff era as that era comes to an end on Monday. Uh, Obviously, one team near and dear to your heart, the Alabama Crimson Tide, so we will discuss those two games. I also have a theory that they're the two most important players in the SEC during bowl season that are not playing in those those two playoff games that are actual football games. I've got a theory on who the two most important players are and and the new value of the new rules around the bowl system. So we'll get into some of that uh, a little bit later on. Who's America rooting for? Uh, both you Titans fans in the AFC South, but also you non-Alabama fans watching the playoff game. So a lot of stuff to to, to track there. Uh, I couldn't, Zach. I can't think of a matchup in college football that that it's like Belichick versus Belichick, Alabama versus Harbaugh, Saban versus Harbaugh. It's like everybody who's a neutral observer d- doesn't know who to root for. <laughs> like they they hate them both equally. I wouldn't root for the cheaters objectively. Yeah, but Alabama just drives people insane because they win so many champions. And people hate Alabama. Yep, at for, least they do it honestly. Eh, sure. Sure. I agree with that. But sure. Sure. Uh, so we'll get into that. We'll talk some AFC South stuff uh, as we sort of close in on what is like a really interesting race in the playoffs. Uh, but let's talk Titans here. I, we, I did not have a chance. You did not have a chance really to react on this show, of course, to the loss of the Seattle Seahawks over the Christmas holiday. Uh, very competitive game with a largely non-NFL roster. <laughs> Uh, and so we'll get into that a little bit as well. But Sinker's Beverages, of course, uh, if you are looking for some holiday cheer, some holiday spirit, and you're watching your team struggle uh, to finish games, hypothetically, uh, make sure you check out Sinker's Beverages. Great bourbon selection, great wine selection, great champagne selection for your holiday New Year, of course. Uh, and uh, make sure you uh, drive. Don't don't drink a drive, of course. So make sure you get the uh, the Uber Eats there and. Um, Make sure you search Sinker's Beverages and have the booze delivered right to your house and stock up before the New Year holiday. That would be my advice hey, is to stock up before. They drive so you can drink and stay it's home. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. So make sure you check that out. Sinker's Beverages, again, uh, back-to-back liquor store of the year in Nashville, Tennessee. So make sure you go I check have out a recommendation. I do Ooh. not know if it's at Sinker's Beverages or Bluegrass, but last night I went to an establishment and had a, a old fashioned that, of course, had the you know smoke that comes out of it. I'm sure everybody has seen a couple of those in their lifetime. But it was made with a Bardstown cherry oak rye. Very I know delicious. they've got. I know they have Bardstown whiskey or bourbon at at Sinker's. Just keep an so eye out for it when you when you go okay. to these when you go to Sinker's Beverages. Okay. If you go to Bluegrass Beverages, let's see if they got it. If they don't got it, let's effort to request enough of us to request it. So then that they get it. Okay. I like it. I, I also enjoy when I'm out with cocktails, I do the rise as well. Uh, I drink sort of regular straight bourbon, single barrel, s- small batch at home. Uh, but I do like a rye in a cocktail. It adds a lot more flavor uh, to the cocktail in my opinion. So there you go. They do have lots of rise available 
uh, at Sinker's Beverages as well. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com. You guys know the deal. Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Make sure you check them out. Uh, again, all over the socials, really cool work. It's, you know, home home renovation. Uh, I, I don't want to say not safe for work, but it's it's a lot of fun to look at. It's it, I don't think America's ever going to get tired of looking at home renovation stuff. Like, I think as long as the human species has a screen to look at, we are going to be putting home renovation stuff on to screens in the form of some sort of content. And uh, the Kingston Group's feeds are awesome. The website's great. Go check out, go take a look at their work and don't make any decisions about your house until you talk to them. So the Tennessee Titans, uh, we, I don't have a lot to um, talk about when it comes to the Seattle game. I, it's, we're sort of three days, four days removed here. You guys spend a lot of time on, on F-words talking about it. Just I think how competitive the team continues to be is important to note that while there are there's nothing left to play for, all the best players are out. <laughs> Little Levis isn't playing. Um, that they're still that they still have a lead in the fourth quarter almost every single week. So I think that's an important thing to note and to give credit to the guys that are fighting hard for that. It, to which case, I'd like to know, Zach. Our main topic today start is sort of which of these guys, like as we start off season content, I don't I don't want to like start it yet. Although I did spend entirely too much time over the weekend looking at at draft rankings. <laughs> Um, for players, I'm already I, getting. I'm ahead of the game, getting all my data for StackingInbox.com. I mean, like I just, I get pretty much finished up 90% today of just the wide receiver data and getting all that situated, just oh, nice. to kind of wait and see because I'm just like, I ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> well, here's one thing that I noticed because I was doing a bunch of ESPN stuff this week, and we were going to talk some draft and and. And I, I was so I was going a little deeper into it, but I noticed as I was as I was studying sort of the top 15, 20 ish of the draft and kind of looking across the Web at all the different rankings that, that people I respect and kind of using my own in, you know institutional knowledge of some of the players that I kind of cover in a college level. I, I did come away with one broad takeaway before we get into some of the younger players and, and what you can actually do in the final two games as a Titans fan. I did come away with like I'm really comfortable with anywhere they land as a draft slot, like whatever happens in their last two games, I think I think they can go as high as two or three and go as low as eleven or twelve. So uh, statistically, they're probably in that like six to ten range. Let's say hypothetically, right? I think yeah. there's a lot. I think they have a lot of great options. Like I don't think there's a bad option, depending on what. Like you might get, like if you're looking at what's available in those in that range. I, I think there's a really great player at no matter at a position of need, no matter yeah, what. There's varying degrees of of good players. Uh, they're they're your blue chip players, which they're in the top, you know, seven or eight of those. And I don't know if there's really a defensive blue chip player in this draft. Um, and then on top of it, so if you get down there and then you're looking at your defense, you're not getting a blue chip player. And I would say that JC Latham is a borderline, like he's a consolation prize because you, because you're, you're, you're top four. And I would even say top five, but I know most people's top four, like Marvin Harrison, Jr. Joe Alt, Olu Fashanu, um, uh, Malik neighbors. And then I would add in Brock Bowers. Cause I mean, I totally he's agree. Just I'm a glad pass catcher. He's just a pat. You, you just need pass catchers, right? He, I mean, he like, is- He's the reason he's the name that made me yeah. feel comfortable about the list is like adding right. him in there. And I'm like, oh, th they're going to get a great player. Yeah, those five players to me are 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 really good picks that really help the team day one. And not to say that J.C. Latham wouldn't. 
I just don't think he's of the pedigree. And maybe I'll change my mind by the end of the draft and put him as a blue chip player. But I don't think he is a blue chip player like those five. So that that's kind of where I'm as like when when you talk about you you are kind of always comfortable about draft position. You were a little this way last year, and you've talked about it again this year. Like oh, there's not that much of a difference between five and you know fifteen or something in this year's draft. I think that if you don't need a quarterback and the Titans don't, I think you got to go and zone in on the blue chip players and then have a consolation prize. Like if you're getting, if you fall out for whatever reason, really down far below and you're not getting, you know, one of those five or JC Latham, I think you're going to be pretty screwed. <laughs> like, but I, 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 that's just how I feel. And I also feel, look at it this way, brain, just real quick. And I'm of the notion, I'm big trade back guy, right? I've always been a big trade back guy. This is not the year to trade back in the first round, but the higher your pick in the first round, the higher your pick in the second round. And I think you trade back in the second round and pick up a third rounder similar to what you did last yeah. year to yeah. get Will Levis. I think there will be value. The higher that your pick is in the first round, not only do you have value in the player that you're going to be able to get, but you're going to have value in the second round. Cause I do think that if you're in that top six, top seven range in the second round, you're going to have some action and some oh, ability yeah. to maybe pick up a third. Well, and I think, and the Titans have frankly done very well in the beginning of the second round. If you look at, uh, although Christian Fulton didn't finish great, he was a, a solid value play there. Harold, Harold Landry was a solid pick in that slot. Will Levis is going to be a part of that conversation in the future. Derek Henry is a part of that conversation uh, in the, in the past. But I think what's interesting is, it, you're guaranteed that you, you all those five names I would agree are my top five names for targets for the Tennessee Titans. It, we we can disagree on the order, but like whatever, those are the top five. I don't I think even care about the order. Yeah, so I don't either. And, five, and to be honest, and that is ultimately <laughs> what I landed on was like because you have to have the, the two quarterbacks are guaranteed to go in the top seven as well. So really, it's not five. You just need to be in the top seven to get one of those five. And there's and always then, one dumb pick, right? And then like, there's, there's and then there's going to be random dumb pick. And then there's going to be one, maybe two. So I think you could actually push it to seven or eight or nine, get in theory, and still get one of those top five targets. Because I think you have to, because again, the name that I kept coming back to when I was looking at these lists, and I was like, because again, if you're picking 11 or 12 or 13, yes, you're in the JC Latham. I like Amarius Mims a lot out of Georgia. I think Roma Dunze is I like, do a, not like, like Dunze is now a guy. Like you're talking about next yeah, I like year, Adunze. though but you're talking about the next tier and and that's a and that's what you're saying but Bowers is on the top tier and that's the name that I kept thinking like no if they if they get 7th they're guaranteed one of these five, seven guys and you know there's probably going to be another weird pick in there so really it's 8 if you can get to 8 you're probably going to have your you'll get one of those elite weapons slash yeah. offensive tackles and so again I know we've got all offseason to do this but I was doing it over the over the Christmas holiday and I just was like I think they're in pretty good shape, like all the way down to like nine, eight or nine ish, because I think there's going to be some one of those names will fall to them at that slot. So that, that's my theory, at least uh, with two games left to go in the regular season. <laughs> yep. Uh, Seekers beverages, Kingsley group. So ultimately, what can you accomplish when the team's been eliminated? So many of your your players are not playing uh, the games. Results only matter for draft results at this point. Uh, I don't think you should keep Will Levis out of the lineup if he's healthy, if that's a discussion point. Uh, I think you should play him as many reps as you can. But I ultimately wanted to ask you, if we are already starting off season, well, then let's use these two games to be a part of that conversation. Let's use these two games to determine, and as we've talked about all year, answer some questions 
about where this roster is going to be heading into next season. And I was looking at all the unrestricted and restricted free agents for next year. And there's some veterans that I think we all agree we, you know, you should bring back or target or work, try to get to come back. Danico Autry's of the world, right? There's a handful of Sean Murphy bunting. I think he's back, but like, that's the kind of guy that you'd want to bring back. So I'm curious, who are the young players that have earned their way into camp next year that have earned their spot that have earned a contract? I don't think Chris Moore, or Nick Westbrook, Akine count as young, but they're sort of in that like $1 million range of like fringe roster players. So I think you can include them, but you, you also want don't want them back. Like I'm, I, I'm to ideally. the point where I, I would rather have Chris Moore back than NWI, but ideally you would like to have upgraded those positions via, you know, trading away Traylon Burks or keep a Traylon Burks. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still advocating to trade away Traylon Burks. Um, but in the, in the end, more than likely Traylon Burks will be here. Um, Kyle Phillips maybe will be here, but I would much rather have like, DeAndre Hopkins, a rookie, a free agent, Kyle Phillips, Colton Dow, and Traylon Burks. Like I, those are your six that I yeah. would rather have, and probably throw in Kiaris Jackson if he's healthy and they keep him around because I know they really wanted to have him back, but I guess he's never coming back this season. So you could throw, you keep six or seven wide receivers, kind of what they did this year. So I kind of see that there, that is how this this off season needs to go. So uh, I, I that would then take out NWI or Chris Moore, which would be fine. But if you're going to bring back one, I'm bring back Chris Moore. Um, I think he just adds an extra dimension that NWI you could just easily replace. Like I don't think, and I like, and I don't, I'm not dissing NWI. I think he's a great story. I think he's done really well when called upon. But at the end of the day, you need you need to be diverse. And this team has a hard time being diverse with the group that's on the field, especially if Colton Dow, like same size, a little bit more athletic, can do the same things you would think in theory with a year of development and can be a great special teams player, which, oh, by the way, is part of NWI's allure. Like, I, I tend to agree with you. But again, I mentioned those guys to say that they're not like they're more of like veteran minimum kind of guys, which are also a part of the equation. Like those would be. I don't know. I, I think you'd put Kevin Rader and Trayvon Wesco in that category and be like, I don't know if they're deserving of, of another contract. Ultimately, I, I think watching the game, I just found myself going, there are so many of these players. There, there is going to be a massive roster overhaul. They're, they're, they, they have maybe two thirds of the roster is like worthy of being back next year. And that's a big chunk of guys that are probably not going to ever be around again. So I'm trying to think through like, oh, okay, they got, they got Houston and Jacksonville to finish the season. Obviously, they can mess up some playoff hopes, which is part of the equation, and we can discuss that. But really, who 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 should we be watching to to earn their way? Like I I was interested to see Otis Reese play against Seattle. Made a couple of plays, also wasn't great. So like I mean, I, I guess I guess it depends on your definition of keeping. Are we keeping them with the idea that they're going to be contributors on on they're going to be on the twenty twenty four roster? Or they're camp bodies. Because if there's camp bodies, then it's just every young guy that you got on the team is coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's no reason to cut Eric Gare or Otis Reese or anything like that. Let them come in and play, you know, compete for a roster spot in the final 53. You know, when, but when you're talking about players that may have earned a spot on the final 53 that are young, it's probably Julius Chestnut probably gets another crack at it when he's healthy. Uh... I guess if you want to keep it under 28 years old, Sean Bunting, Sean Murphy Bunting, Kayvon Wallace, Aziz Al-Shair, 
that's uh, about it. Like I'm, I'm not bringing back Jack Gibbons. If I'm the Tennessee Titans, they will, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> you're obviously not bringing back Christian Fulton. You're obviously shouldn't bring back Aaron Brewer in a starting role. If you want to bring him back to be a utility lineman, the backup lineman that can come in and play guard or center in a pinch. I still don't think you should even waste your time doing that because again, nice stories are great, but nice stories don't win games. And that's where I'm at with him. So he's, he's one and a checkout stack in the inbox. I know you, you wrote a lot about Dylan Radins, but it's a lot also about the offensive line. I think he's one that I would circle as the, like as part of this conversation, he's a guy that's been a starter four and a half, $4.3 million contract. It seems like he may have played his way out of the equation. You know what I mean? He should have, but I mean, I don't know. Sometimes this team tends to do, and, and many teams do. I mean, many teams do this, but we cover this team and this team tends to really like Aaron Brewer and even know that they shouldn't. And maybe they and and really you can't use the the guard excuse like, oh, he's playing between two bad guards because Daniel Brunskill's good. He's he's at least NFL average. And you, we know Skaronsky is at least NFL average. So the you can't blame them. You know, and I see and I've seen a lot of people when I bring it up is, you know, they're like, well, he's really good at run blocking. I said, OK, so he's really good at 50 percent of his job. Yeah, yeah, that's a failing grade. You can't bring back a guy that's 50, 50 percent good at his job and you can't bring back. A, it's time to stop buying two dollar stakes. It's just that's just where the and that goes really for the whole team. But that was that term is obviously used to describe Aaron Brewer. But that's like Jack Gibbons. He's a two dollar stake. Yep. Like it's time to get these two dollar stakes off the menu. Right. I think that's a good analogy. Um we can we can afford to eat at nicer restaurants now. Yes. Like we we've we've grown up a little bit. Uh Kenneth says Traylon Burks on the trade block question mark. And that was of course about your comment about trading Traylon Burks. I'd be curious what his value would be. I'd have to see the return on that. I still think there's a, a I think I still think there's time to invest in seeing what he could become and develop into. I think he probably would do better off somewhere else. I have no faith and patience anymore for Traylon Burks. If you're going to get value and there's a good proposition, I think every player is worthy of listening to trades on. Um, but I, and I agree with your point that a, a high level free agent, my guy's Calvin Ridley and a draft pick probably in the second round, uh, high, top of the second round. That's, that's with Deandre Hopkins. And then the names you mentioned with all of a sudden, if Burks is, you're asking him to be your four, and you got Phillips and Chris Moore, all of a sudden you really like your room again. And so uh, that's where I think that there's a, um, you know, I that plan and strategies, I, I'm on board with that. But the only way I'm getting rid of Burks this early in the process is if I get something that I feel like it's at least some quality compensation in return. So, I mean, I you know, second round pick, I think you take a second round pick and and and, and run with it if somebody offers you that for Traylon Burks. I, I'd take a fourth. <laughs> that's bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you could get a fourth and a player or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see why if you got another team that probably has given up on another wide receiver, maybe it's Jamison Williams, maybe it's John Mechie, maybe it's, you know, George Pick and someone else in a draft class that's very recent that is not finding their way to meaningful snaps because of either people ahead of them or because the coaching they fall in out favor with the coaching staff for various reasons. I think that you could just do a one for one trade for most of the players like that, but maybe a couple of players you need to get back a pick for. Yeah, maybe that's just kind of uh, how I view it. It's like a, okay. it's, I call it a fresh start trade. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't want 
I think Pickens is more talented and very good, but I don't. I'm I'm with Herndon on this. I don't think I think he's if he gets a big contract from somebody for being as good as he could be. I'm not sure I want to be around that. That's been the story on him since college. Uh, but I also like Jimmy Jamison Williams. That one's interesting. I, I would be very interested in, in acquiring Jamison Williams. Um, all right. So of the other players, you, you said Kayvon Wallace is officially a guy that you. I think, think he's playing very well. I think, you know, I I am comfortable with the safety group for whatever reason. I don't understand why uh, Mike isn't. I think that when you have Kayvon Wallace, Elijah Molden, and Amani Hooker, when they're all playing, they're all playing really well when they're playing together. I don't see any issue with Elijah Molden. Elijah Molden, if you watch the film, put on, look at the stats. If you take the film and the data, it, they coincide perfectly saying that you have a quality defensive starter in some kind of rotation. And that's what you need. You need as many quality starters in the NFL that perform well in your system. And Elijah Molden is one of those. I think Kayvon Wallace has proven to be very effective and very good. And I would agree with the same with uh, Monty Hooker. So, like, to me, Kayvon Wallace is a guy that you should be looking to bring back to keep some kind of stability on this defense and on this roster because it's going to be really hard to find stability on this roster at, at, at most of these positions. When you talk about offensive line, likely going to have four new offensive linemen. You talk about wide receivers, you're at least yeah. probably you should have at least two wide receivers. Tight ends probably the other more stable part of this uh of the team. Running back's gonna have new faces in it, more than likely. Quarterback will of course be stable, but I think backup quarterback will be new because I do not think it's Malik Willis heading into 2024. Uh, yeah. and then I look at, uh, you know, your defensive backs will be almost all the cornerbacks will be almost all different. You'll probably have new linebackers. You're going to have to have new defensive linemen and maybe your <laughs> edge is okay. But I mean, that's, that's where you're at with this Tennessee Titans team. I agree. I agree. Like these guys like TK McClendon, Otis Reese, um, well, stay in know. the defense, stay on the defensive line because I, I find that group to be fascinating because Mike Vrabel has proven that he can find and create production out of somebody that he picks off the practice squad and the, the trash heap, essentially. And, you know, Mar Marlon Davidson makes a play on, on Sunday or whatever. TK McClendon, Kyle Petko. I mean, Weaver's still got one more year in his contract. Travis Gibson's on this list. Go. But, like, I, I don't think care about you're not bringing TK anybody McClendon back. Has not, yeah. Uh, for, the, for the 90, yes. Relying on them in the final 53 for 2024? No, none of these guys. None of the TK McClendon or Jalil Johnson. None of these guys. Keon Andre Coburn. And I'm still not convinced that this is not someone in witness protection, but Quentin Bohanna. Obviously, a fake name or a pseudonym or something because that cannot be real. That. That's like the Calvin Throckmorton of defensive line. Um, <laughs> Cannot be real. Quentin Bohanna has to be a fake name. <laughs> and uh, he, th those guys are not good enough. We got to stop as, as a, as a fan base, as media analysts saying, okay, Mike Vrabel can do this, right? He can make good, bad players good or serviceable. Like here's what I think. I think he can make bad players serviceable, good players. Great, great players elite. Like, I think that he is like that kind of guy. The problem is we have too many bad players or really, really bad players be, being elevated to bad players and too many bad players being elevated to serviceable. That's yeah. not fair to Jeffrey Simmons. We cannot have a Jarrell Casey wasting of years with, with Jeffrey Simmons. I am all in 
and this is going to drive people nuts. I am all in finding a either high-priced defensive interior lineman or a high-priced or a high-value or highly-skilled one in the draft to pair with Jeffrey Simmons because this team needs it. This team needs someone besides Jeffrey Simmons to help carry the load on the defensive line. I, I, I think his um, – gosh, his name escapes me, but there's a kid from Illinois that's going to be at Illinois. the uh, – Yep. Yeah, I think he's he's going to be good value for some team. I think those are got you got to find a guy to pair with your case. I'm not saying spend a first or a second. I'm not saying, you know, pay, I don't know, Sheldon Rankins $300 million. I'm just saying you got to find someone that is not that is above a UDFA or above a practice squad player. You have J- to. Jerzon Newt. Newton. I've seen him. Uh, he's like a 6'2", 295 kind of guy. Um, I, I think it's a three technique. I've seen him projected in the top 10 so again if you're talking about that's not the guy i'm thinking of and maybe he's not from illinois that i'm thinking of um, that, that's he's the, gonna be i mean then your bowls the guy i'm thinking of okay okay um not yeah, just on newton that's too newton, high priced newton's an under uh underclassman yeah um there's another player out of illinois that's a defensive lineman interior that could be i think so uh, okay let me it, well we got i, we, I can't wait illinois. for your senior bowl coverage by the way so make sure everybody's yes stays, keith randolph jr back. keith randolph jr okay uh andrew also says Andrew says, cut the whole team. Um, he just cut the whole team. Uh, look, I, I think that's, I think ultimately, and I was talking to some national folks um, when I was doing some work this week, and they, there's a lot of them that are like, man, this is going to be a complete overhaul. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is because they, we've talked about this. I year think late, since, a dollar short. Yeah, yeah like really since the, short, but since the middle of the year, it's like, no, the, the defense hasn't been that good. The offense is atrocious because they don't have good enough players. And so you have to go about it systematically. And so again, looking the, what's the first step in this in this system uh, leading into Rand Carthon's second offseason? Well, the first step is using these two games to to evaluate as much as possible. And that's the same thing we've said: answer as many questions as you can. And I'll be the first one to say, look, I thought Aaron Brewer started off the season well, and and he was playing as well as they could have hoped for him to play at that position. And then it sort of slowly deteriorated. And now it's gotten worse. I wonder and how much of that. Now the answer is the weight and the strength of the people in front of him that he has seen all year. And how much of this is him tearing down, like his body breaking down as the season goes on being of his frame versus now he's kind of left guard. You may not have to face that many um, big thick boys over there. You know what I'm saying? You don't like the Vita Vea zero technique guy. You are like right on someone almost every time. And I wonder how much of that is just that he's not able to physically do it? I, I think that's, I think that's a great question and a valid one to be asking. And also, part of the reason why I have changed my opinion on Aaron Brewer and said, look, if they go have a, I think if Brunsko and Skoransky are the only two back, that's f- totally fine. And I think two starters, I would say, because I mean, you could bring yeah. back, you keep Raidens, you keep Duncan, you let them battle it out in PF too. There's Chris no, Hubbard is not a terrible those guys. Bring yeah. back Chris Subber, but he's not sure. he's not a young guy, so we couldn't really include That's him. That's true. But you you have enough players these you have enough people to have a really good competition where the strong survives as long as you have four of your offensive linemen in place, right? Via the draft or free agency, whatever you're going to do. If you if you have Raiden's NPF Chris Hubbard all and Jalen Duncan all fighting for that right tackle spot. As long as you got Joe Alt, Olu Fashanu, Peter Skaronsky, a new center, a new and, center yep. or that could be Brunt Skills' place, 
Brunskill could take one of those spots. He has played center before, so he could take one of those spots. As long as you have for the offensive lineman, I don't care what is going on with the right tackle situation because now you've improved four. You've upgraded three of the five spots, and that's and add that to Skaronsky, you have four good spots. Yeah, I think I think ultimately lower draft picks and free agency money is better spent on centers and guards. Um, your high draft pick is going to be better spent on a tackle, and then I think your second and third ish rounder focus should be at receiver um that but again that's just how, to, how sort of how you can see it falling again if malik neighbors falls to you at seven or eight then bam you're done you take it malik neighbors and you're good to go and then you don't necessarily need to invest you know 80 million dollars into a high price free agent at i mean listen daniel daniel brunskill's under contract right he is 3.4 million dollars cap hit next year uh, you obviously keep him because if you cut him what are you cutting him for right and there's no reason to cut him because, I, like I said, he can play center. He can play guard. And he could technically play tackle. Yeah, yeah. But he was a really serviceable right guard in league average. I mean, he may be even slightly league average in certain games and everything like that, which is fine. That's what you need. But maybe you just put him at center and you then you don't have to spend money on center. Because the center class, free agency class, is probably going to dry up really quick. And do you, would you rather have the option... Uh, in the, heading into the draft of maybe drafting the center of the future since he's on his last year contract, or would you rather sign one? But I don't think there's going to be one because I'd be very surprised at some of these centers. There's only I, like I think that's that are really good. I mean, that, so I think you keep Brunskill and put him at center. Oh, I, I absolutely keep Brunskill. I think he needs to be one of the two. I don't. That's up for whoever may be coaching the offensive line to decide yeah. <laughs> in the offseason. Um, but I think ultimately, I think one of the things I've come, come, come to realize as we answer, try to answer questions is like, to your point, I think it's a great point, And I think it's important to note, I think at safety, they seem pretty set. I think Aziz Alshair is pretty locked in as a starting middle linebacker next year on the starting 53. I, I think they should absolutely bring back Autry. I think one of the veteran receivers is smart to bring back whichever one you want. And then I think we, we talked about the offensive line, but changing my opinion on Brewer and moving on from him is one. Um, I, you know, I never, I always said, I thought the middle linebackers were, were, were a problem. I do think all the other filler pieces on the offense, like Raiden and Raider and Wesco and, you know, like Henry's going to be gone. Probably. I assume they're not going to bring him back, uh, to your point, backup running back, backup quarterback is going to be something they need. Um, I do think Chig and Wiley can be pretty solid next year at that position. So I'm not, those two have kind of have, have answered some questions about that position for me corner i you know i don't know what to make of corner because i think they've got good bodies in sean murphy bunting roger mccurry and then anything that caleb farley gives you is a plus it's just house money that's where uh, i would spend my point. free agency money i would spend it on the cornerback i'd spend it mainly on defense because i think that's where you're going to find the best value and the bang for your buck and uh, players that can help um because i i think that if you can get and, you know, all these players right now are saying, well, I really hope to re-sign with my team. You know, they're not all going to re-sign right, with right, the right. team. And there's going to be some really good corners hitting free agency. Uh, some some Arden Key upgrades, I would say, in hitting edge. And there are guys on the defensive line that if you re-sign Danico Autry, bring one of them in. Now you're cooking with gas on the defensive line. Okay. So I think there's some names there to watch. Uh, Kayvon Wallace is one to watch. Uh, I'd like to see a Ajuk- Juquo, right? Uh, at the tackle. Yeah. I'd like they, I would love Mike to see a Juquo actually just play left tackles. Let's just see what he does. I mean, uh, what, what does it matter? It doesn't Mike matter. Vra- Whoever you're putting over there is going to allow a sack of pressure. <laughs> so you might as well just let's see what you got with a Juquo. 
the the uh, Mike Vrabel said he's going to start. He's, he needs to get more competition and opportunity. So that let's see if that happens. So again, just start your offseason process with these games and just consider them part of the evaluation process. It's a miniature camp heading into the offseason. You're going to be playing teams that have stuff to play for, right? In these yes. last two games, yes. they have they have stuff on the line to be playing for. So you're getting their best. Whether so, if you want to see if someone can stand up to NFL level competition like John Ujukwu, this these are the next two games to do yep. it with. Yep. Bar none, these All are right. the next two games to do it on. So Indianapolis currently the seven seed in the AFC. They will play Las Vegas this week. And then of course Houston. Jacksonville currently the four seed, but tied at eight and seven. They will play Carolina this week. And then of course we'll come to Tennessee. Next week, of course, Tennessee hosts Houston this week in their final, uh, or sorry, at Houston this week, final home game against Jacksonville, Houston at Indianapolis the final week of the season. So I just objectively, as a Titans fan, and then I want you to, to answer the question as sort of like what's best for the Titans, which is kind of tricky. Who, who do you want to win the division as a fan? Meaning who do you hate the least, I guess, is maybe the question. Or the question is maybe who does it benefit the most to win the division? And I think it benefits Houston the most with C.J. Stroud healthy if they win the division and C.J. Stroud with D'Amico Ryans takes that team to the postseason, wins the division, or gets into the playoff as a wild card. I think Houston benefits the most from the experience if I had to lean one way or the other. So I'm kind of anti-Houston in this because Jacksonville's just falling apart from a health standpoint. Well, and also talent standpoint because they're not very good, like I've been saying all damn year. Um uh, they're a bunch. They're a bunch of average people that kind of, when they come together, make an above average person. I guess an above average <laughs> team, but I don't even think they're above average. They're just very. The, I know people love Doug Peterson. I know people love Trevor Lawrence, but man, they really have not been what everybody thinks they should have been by now, and I think that's a big issue. So, if you're asking me, well, Trevor, I don't I, like Doug. I, I don't love Doug Peterson. I think he's at, well, I think I he's above average. That, but I know people do. People, but people I like do. Lawrence. I think Lawrence has been been put together with chicken wire and duct tape the last three or four weeks. So I don't yeah, think he's healthy. That's at part all. of playing the game. If you can't, I you know. know you can't know. go and you can't perform. Maybe you should have taken some rest, or maybe you know not fake injuries. Uh, that's been one of the big things. People think he's faking injuries. Oh, um, but he's not been very good. So regardless, and so. I look at it and I go, I hate which fan base do I hate the least? <laughs> and that's the Texans. So and and look, because if here's what's going to happen, as as someone who is on X and is a a Titans, you know, c covers Titans, you get occasionally Jaguars fans, Colts fans in there. And so if the Colts make it, then everybody's going to be think, oh well, when they get Anthony Richardson back. They'll be the uh, they'll be the AFC South favorites next year. If they make it with Gardner Minshew, that's your narrative that you have to stomach all damn summer long from the fans, from the media. That's what all they're going to be talking about is like, well, you know, now that they have Anthony Richardson come back, they should be Super Bowl favorites. Well, and, so, and you know, and you know, that. I don't so, want that. So Kevin Stefanski for Cleveland and Dan Campbell for Detroit are like the odds on two favorites to be coach of the year. It but should be Stefanski. I, I agree. I agree with you. But the but the name that gets thrown around as number three, and I think this is incorrect, but the name that gets thrown around as number three is Shane Steichen. 
He gets yeah. thrown around number three. I think D'Amico Ryan's belongs at number three. I, I'm yeah. I'm a D'Amico Ryan's guy, and I think you probably if agree. You, the Colts really benefit from a lot of luck, and that's something you got to watch out for. So I, I'm I'm out on the Colts winning the division. Okay, I don't want okay. that to happen. So I want them to lose out. That also hurts the Titans' strength of schedule, which is a benefit for the for them as they are looking in the draft. Um, so Houston wins this week because that's what you should want if you're a Tennessee Titans fan. A competitive game that's lost in the fourth quarter by one score. <laughs> the Houston Texans. Uh, I'm am very curious what Amy Adams drunk reacts to going 0 2 versus Houston, especially one of those being in the Oilers uniform. But we'll we'll get there later. Yeah. Um, but Next week. I'm good with that. And so then you look at the Jaguars and their fans. I had one of their fans in my mentions a couple of years ago, and then he <laughs> changed his name and blocked me and all this stuff. Cause I derail just, you know, unleashed yeah. L yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he popped back up with a new username to get in my mentions earlier this year. And so I look at it <laughs> and I go, if they miss the playoffs, are they going to fire their coach again? What are the cons going to do? Are they going to go ahead and fire Peterson because there seems to be some accountability issues or are they going to fire the offensive coordinator? What's going to happen? And who is it worse for? It's worse for the Jaguar fans if they lose. It's worse for their team's morale if they lose. But I also think, well, if they get in and get boat raced, that'd be pretty funny too. I think that's better for the Titans. I think that's better for the Titans. But I think it's better. Here's where I'm going to preview Throw a different scenario out there to you. Okay. Texans win. They get into the playoffs. They're the only AFC South team that gets into playoffs. And then they get boat raced. Okay. That is fantastic for the Tennessee Titans because that means the Jaguars didn't get in. The The Colts got kept out. And they're going to overestimate their team because Anthony Richardson's coming back. The Jaguars will probably have some kind of weird offseason ahead of them because they already had one weird offseason. They did exactly what I said they did and made no minor improvement. They they acted like they were a 12 and 5 team and they <laughs> but they weren't. I agree. And that's what the moves they made. And then I look at um because there's already dissension with Calvin Ridley. So if the Jaguars lose, Calvin Ridley may not get brought back because apparently he's fallen out of favor. So there you go. There, that's a benefit for you. Yeah, that's my guy. But if if CJ Stroud looks horrendous in the AFC South playoff game in a big game, that's going to be so great for everybody involved except for Houston Texans. <laughs> because I don't, all they're going to be doing is like, well, can he struggled in big games in college? What? No, he played a brilliant. No, no, he played a brilliant game against Georgia in the playoff game. He, but he played his. It wasn't his fault that the defensive backs stopped covering people, and and the kicker missed a field goal. Right? They've lost. No, stop it! Stop it! He nobody. No artist. Stop it! Stop it! No single human being played a better football game against Georgia. All of last season than C.J. Stroud. He was the best yeah. player against Georgia, the best good, team, the good national news champion. Is, is that he's a choke artist, and if his teams have shown that they Fine. cannot win the big game and they continue. Whatever, whatever. Shut up. Listen, choke ultimately, artist. here's ultimately, I, if, if I'm a Titans fan and I'm sitting here looking at the, Will Levis playing in the playoffs, even if he plays terribly and they get beat, that is still an experience that I am oh, that I am capable of building on, even if he's terrible in that place. So if yeah, I'm going to say that about Will Levis, you're a logical fan. See, that's your problem. You're not a fan of you're not a fan that comes from a place of thinking about what is what is fanatical about it. Like, right. <laughs> the fanatic 
it's they're crazy, they're insane, there's they're idiots. There are people that were at that want Andy Reid gone. There are people well, that's that, true, want, yeah. that wanted Lamar Jackson uh at the uh, in the, they saying that he can't win big games. Then take it all the way to the torn ACL then. Just go ahead and take it all. Don't, stop with the he struggled in a playoff game just say CJ Stroud tears his ACL. Just root for the injury at that point. If you're going to go full no, on I, I want the, I want the struggle. If you're going to go full struggle. on I don't want injury. I want him to be full I don't want him to have the injury excuse. I want him to struggle. <laughs> I want him to throw three interceptions and I want them to get boat raced out of that build out of whatever I, I still think that benefits under their own building. I still think that benefits D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud in the long term. And I don't think that's what's I think again, we're parsing margins here of error that are very small. But I, I think I would I would root for it, like the Jags to win the division and be the only team from the South that makes it because they make it on like chicken wire. Like they're all they just like limp into the playoffs. They get hammered and destroyed. And and CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryans don't gain any experience in the process. I, I don't like Anthony Richardson's not playing, so he can't gain experience. So I'd vote for the Colts over the Texans as well. But I understand the hatred of the Colts in general and the narratives that that develop in the national media because they because the Colts get clicks or whatever. Like I get all of that. But I think what's worse for the division, if I am any of these teams, I think the worst thing that can happen to all these teams is that CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryans gain experience. I think that is if you're asking me who I am most concerned about next season and long term, it might be D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud. So I'm just but, but they're probably gonna be the odds on favorite even if they don't make it into the playoffs. Like I, I don't think you're stopping I, the I hear you. train. You might so be right. I, I you might be right. And now I think you could be competitive and you can control your own destiny if you're the Tennessee Titans. But I don't think this this I don't think whether they make it or don't make it doesn't really change anything. It's making it in and looking like idiots is the best thing. That's always best because if true. if your experience is being on your ass 10 times a game, getting hit by quarterback hits and throwing three interceptions, that's not a really good experience to have because that's going to be, that's all you're going to think about. Just ask Ryan Tannehill. Or, or Will Levis. Um, okay. So uh, that that's all. I just wanted to point that out right now. You got Jacksonville. Uh, the likely scenario is that Jacksonville goes, they beat Carolina this week at home. You've got Indy and Houston playing in the final week. If Houston beats the te the Titans this weekend, which again, that's not a, a foregone conclusion, Win. but it, it could have, it's, we don't know if CJ Stroud is going to play or not. It sounds like he is. And if he does, then you're picking Houston. Um, the, the Ve Vegas is like, who the hell knows what Vegas is on from a week to week, Vegas week to week basis. They play at Indianapolis. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see. We shall see. Okay. Um, quickly here, uh, playoff games on Monday, you've got Alabama and you've got Michigan. If I told you Michigan by 12, am I, how crazy, how many, how drunk am I at this, at this point? I would, I wouldn't say you're, you're drunk. I'd say you're probably on crystal meth or some kind of hallucinogen <laughs> because Alabama's that, is how I, that, I mean, that's how I feel. Like I'm, yeah. I've been trying to talk myself in like I have. So occasionally, I, I don't know if you get this in the NFL. I get this way in college football with teams that I don't like that aren't my team, but they're playing in the championship situation where all of a sudden, like I, I just feel like something is going to happen and I can't explain it. I felt this way about Clemson, Alabama part two. I had Clemson outright winning the whole time. Now it took a Hunter Renfro catch on the last play of the game to prove me right. But, but occasionally, I got this feeling in 2014, 
when I was covering the Ohio State Alabama game and Alabama was favored by like nine and a half in that game. Every now and then you just get this weird feeling about a team where you're like, I, I, there, something weird is going to fucking happen. I and think I, that's the Washington, Texas game. I think Washington's going to somehow win and surprise there. And I think, let's say, if Washington wins, that's the worst thing for, for Alabama or Michigan. I, I think it, I think Washington winning is I would be wouldn't be surprised if Washington wins the entire college football championship. I think either of those two what's weird is that that's a larger point spread and is a bigger like I'm not surprised by anything in that game. Texas and Washington, I'm not surprised at anything. I do think both quarterbacks are going to sling it all over the place. I think both it's going to be a great game. It's going to be like the last four rounds of a heavyweight fight when Alabama and Michigan are like the first eight rounds of a heavyweight fight where all they're doing is hitting each other in the kidneys. And if that's what that's what Alabama and Michigan's going to be on New Year's Day, and then by the time they get to the last four rounds, it's just going to be Quinn Ewers and Michael Penix throwing like just absolute haymakers and bombs attacking each other's secondary the entire time. That one I have no I have no qualms about anything happening. You told me Texas wins by twenty or Washington wins by two touchdowns, I'd be like, all right, fine. Like I have no I have no real strong feeling towards that. I would lean Texas because I think they get one extra stop in the fourth quarter because their defensive line is so good. But ultimately, I, I have been on Alabama. I bet Alabama early when they were two-point underdog. I, I don't see how Michigan stays with them athletically. I don't see the, how they stop Jalen Milrow. I, like the, on paper, there's no matchup where Michigan is better. But I have this weird feeling about this. I can't explain it, and I don't know if you get this in in like you know covering the NFL. But like I, I just have this weird circle the wagons three years of building Jim Harbaugh is going to go off and coach you know the Bears or something like he I, I don't know I there's a weird feeling that Michigan's gonna like play their perfect game and statistically this is the worst Alabama team since 2007 this is the worst Alabama team Nick Saban's had since his first year statistically yeah so, I think that if uh if I had faith in Harbaugh and big games in these college football playoffs I think it'd be a little bit different but I don't. I think J.J. McCarthy has looked pretty terrible down the stretch. Um, I, I could see Blake Corum going off. I think, but I think that ultimately, at the end of the day, Alabama's got a, the better coach. They got the more explosive playmakers, and I think that they're going to be able to harass and do stuff on the back end. I I just don't see any. I don't have that weird feeling at all. Like I am supremely confident the other way. Like mm. when. Alabama played UT. I had that weird feeling last year, right? I said, well, probably UT is probably going to win. And they did. I don't have that weird feeling. And I was very confident about Georgia lose Alabama beating Georgia. So I'm kind of the opposite. I, I thought that was the best possible matchup for Alabama is to get Michigan in this. Now, I don't know. I think Alabama and Texas would be close, but I would be deathly afraid if I was Alabama of seeing the Washington in that championship what, game. Why? I, I, I think that they're just the, they're a team that could be super explosive. They're fast. They do everything that, that they kind of struggle with. It could end up being kind of a UT thing, but I think Michael Penix Jr. is way better than Joe Milton. Like if Michael Penix Jr. was down there at UT or for this game that was earlier this year, then they get, they got up to that big lead. I don't think that they're giving it back to Alabama. You get what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, but I don't think they can go player for player on on. I, I think I think Jalen Milrow torches that Washington defense. Um, Michigan I know you is, said that about Bo Nix, and he did not. Uh, I mean, he he put up some good numbers, but you're right, you're right. Uh, I think what's interesting about Michigan is like JJ McCarthy is actually statistically far better than what anybody gives him credit for, but they don't really use him a lot. 
uh, which is the the tricky part. He, so he was been... killing it at the beginning of the year. I mean, I right. I was huge. I loved watching JJ McCarthy play for like the first eight or nine weeks or whatever. And then those the, he he he's limping. I mean, he was limping bad. He, well, he's hurt. Not, no, he's like, hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. Well, maybe physically too. But I was cons- I was just saying statistically his accuracy and everything kind of dipped those yeah. last few games, and he was not the same guy. The other thing is, is defense like like against the best defenses in college football, which is I, Michigan did not play any offense that's even close to to Alabama and Jalen Milrow. Michigan didn't face a single quarterback as good as Jalen Milrow, but they played a lot of really really good defenses, and they did more damage against three of the best defenses in college football than anybody else in that played them that this year. They were better against Penn State's defense than anybody else. They were better against Ohio State's defense than anybody else. And they were better against Iowa's defense than anybody else by like pretty large statistical margins, meaning that their offense, when they needed to be, was efficient against high quality defenses. And I, I don't know if they've got athletes in space to attack Alabama secondary, but but watch for J.J. McCarthy and some design run plays. What else does Harbaugh have up his sleeve? And you can say whatever you want about Jim Harbaugh. But it is very, very, very hard to take a team to the Super Bowl and three times to the college football playoff. You you are a very, very good, if not elite football coach to get people to get teams to those situations. But I, I, and I, I agree that, that he is a he's a very good college football coach. But at some point, wins have to matter. Paging Brian Kelly, win, wins have to matter. You can't just say, well, he, he you could be. Very good, but you got to win to be considered elite at some point. Like, I think he's a very good player, a very good coach. You know, if if he came down, I think he could do wonders at, with the Bears if he was at, with the Bears. But I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl under Jim under under Harbaugh. Like, at some point, you got to win, and what he just never wins the big games. You got to win the big games. Yeah, I know. I, I agree, but he's beaten Ohio State three straight years and won three straight Big Twelve championships, Big Ten championships, and yeah. won an, NF- and won an NFC championship hang game. That those do not matter. They do matter the to Michigan fans. Things, Super Bowls and college football championship trophies, Super they, Bowl trophies, and cut those matter. I agree. I agree. Everything but, else is just like a here's your little banner, hang right, it up. Right. Yo, we could put a little dot somewhere on your helmet. You know. It just doesn't matter. I hear you. I hear you, Jim. I think. I think it takes. I think there's an extremely small always the bridesmaid, pool. never the bride. That is. I John think there's Hart, an extreme. Right now, <laughs> I think there's an extremely small pool of coaches that can accomplish what Jim Harbaugh has accomplished. But I, I, I hear you. Got to finish the deal, which is why it's again, I smaller to accomplish what Kirby Smart. Yes, I agree. No, I, I agree. Kirby is, Smart is an even smaller pool than that. Kirby Smart's not in the playoffs, so good news for Harbaugh. So yeah. here's what's interesting is I think he's gone no matter what. If he wins the championship, that's the reason he leaves. If he loses to Alabama, that's the reason he leaves. <laughs> I, I think he's gone to the NFL no matter what, um, and I think he'll be good somewhere, whether that's the Chargers with Herbert or you know maybe it's the Bears, maybe it's somewhere else. I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of draft capital there with, with Chicago and a potential quarterback decision so okay quickly here we'll wrap up uh, i'm taking i'm taking michigan and texas and i don't know why by the way money uh, line or point straight up straight straight up just mm-hmm. just who am i picking to make the college the national championship game i am somehow some way strangely and i don't understand why picking michigan and texas so uh it's just call it vibes i'm riding on vibes um i do think and i was talking to bill Connolly about this who's a stats stats geek for, for espn nerd for college football 
He's like, it's going to be a two touchdown game one way or the other. I just, he goes, I just haven't decided if I'm picking Alabama or Michigan yet, but he doesn't think it's going to be close. So it, that's, which I find interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, quickly here, some news for college bowl games. I think the, the story in, in the sec is not Missouri versus Ohio state or Ole Miss versus Penn state or Georgia versus Florida state. Like sure. Those are would be playoff games that next year will, will in fact be playoff games. Big time New Year's six games, Friday night, Saturday. What matters, the two most important players in the SEC, in my opinion, and I want to see what you think about this, are now Nico Iamaleava, the Tennessee quarterback getting the start against a very, very good Iowa defense, at least fundamentally sound, and will challenge him unlike any other time in his entire career. And Garrett Nussmeyer at LSU, who Jaden Daniels is sitting out for LSU, and Garrett Nussmeyer is going to be the starter next year. And is getting to that means they're taking reps with the ones in practice as the starting quarterback for 15 straight practices and will take the field as the number one. And they get a freebie, they both get total freebies to begin their starting careers as quarterbacks in the SEC at two of the premier programs that have expectations next season. And I think it, it's so Nico doesn't get burnt with a redshirt year, he's still a redshirt freshman next year with the new rule. And I think the fact that Nussmeyer and Nico get to start in these games for Tennessee and for LSU against Wisconsin and Iowa, respectively, two quality defenses, and and obviously the offenses are very challenged. <laughs> I, I think that it's a really great situation. If I'm a Tennessee fan or an LSU fan, I think these are the two most important players to watch in the entire bowl season are these two guys, not, not counting yeah, the playoff I'm games. I'm with you. I think, I think that that's a great way to look at it. And I think, you're going to have a some answers, you know, some some concerns maybe alleviated or maybe some hype fulfilled, you know, as far as, you know, Nico or Garrett, if you're an LSU or um, UT fan. But I, I think I think you're right. I think it's uh, when you look at it, you're you're thinking that these these are the most important non-college football playoff game for the SEC is right here because the Georgia game I mean everybody's opting out for Florida State is like 300 players or like I mean they they may not even have like a full team it feels like to be able to to play that bowl game which is hilarious in my opinion um and then I think I think you know you look at the Missouri game you know that'll be a good game there's there's some good games but as far as with importance for the future these are the two games to be watching for sure. And I'm curious if, if, if Ole Miss joins this conversation because Ole, Lane Kiffin, if, if I was like a, a, a writer going to my editor and I was saying, look, I want to tell the story of new college football as we transition to a new SEC into a new era of playoff expansion. I am telling the story and I think it's going to be a huge story next year, something that we talk about on this show most of the calendar year which is Lane Kiffin. The, the lens through which we can watch the new college football thing happen to me is Lane Kiffin because they wrote all the checks from their boosters to keep their players on their roster, Jackson Dart, Quinshot Junkins, et cetera. They're writing checks to the portal to bring in best, the best free agents. They wrote, they got signed a top 20 recruiting class. They're playing in a new year six bowl game with 10 wins on the, on the record against another team in Penn state that also James Franklin also is desperate for the playoff to expand because he can't get into the playoff the way he currently runs the team. I, I think the Ole Miss rebels and Lane Kiffin are the lens through which the entire story is told next year. 
And because I think it's fascinating what they're trying to do. They are go they are going for it. Like it's never been done yeah. in college football. We see it in the NFL all the time, right? Like the Eagles putting together the dream team or Jacksonville spending 128 million in free agency. Oh, they're going for it, right? Super teams in the NBA, they're going for it. That's not Kate. That's not possible in college football. But now Ole Miss is doing it. They're they they're going, they are clearly all in on 2024 to make a playoff run. And I find it utterly fascinating to watch. So maybe this game against Penn State can maybe catapult them into that conversation in the offseason. And if they lose to Penn State, maybe that changes the narrative. I, I don't know, but I'm interested in Ole Miss. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I can't wait. There you go. All right, Seekers Beverages, the Kingston Group, our two great and amazing local sponsors here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, of course. Please support good local businesses. Uh, make sure you stop by Sinkers for all your New Year's Eve needs, New Year's holiday celebrations, New Year's Day champagne, New Year's Eve cocktails, whatever you're doing, make sure you swing by Sinkers Beverages, of course, and be safe over the weekend. Uh, you can search Uber Eats, Sinkers Beverages. They will deliver the booze directly to your New Year's party. How about that? They drive so you can drink. There you have it. And, of course, Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Make sure you check them out as well. That's the website. Don't make any major decisions about your house until you talk to the great folks over at the Kingston Group. Also, award-winning. Both companies, by the way, award-winning. So there you have it. Uh, we do appreciate all you guys hanging out with us. Uh, obviously, rate, review, subscribe. Head over to the 440 Sports YouTube page if you're not watching there now. You'll get bowl previews for every single SEC game, including um, both playoff games. And also, a special edition coming this weekend of sort of analysis of how Texas got here uh, with a Texas expert, a friend of mine who's covered the team for a really long time. So Mike Herndon, if you're listening, we're going to have a special video, just an episode just about Texas and their evolution and how they got to where they are and why they're ready to compete in the SEC. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, other than that, uh, Zach, stackingtheinbox.com, football and other F-words, uh, all the other great places that uh, you can catch Zach's work. Please go check that out. Uh, have a great holiday weekend. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll be back next Thursday. Uh, other than that, I think we're good. Have a good weekend, everybody. Happy New Year.